Hey, welcome back to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name's Nate Davison, and I'm your host. I'm so glad that you've joined us today for this episode. And hey, like I say every time, if you haven't already, head over to gracestoryministries.com and click the subscribe button. And when you do that, you get exclusive access to our closed Facebook group. It's the Community for Grace Story Ministries. And we have experts on there that share uh, things that will help you in your journey of restoration. And then we also have community that you can connect with other people that are just like you. And uh, they'll help you know more about what you need to do, uh, maybe from their experiences as well. As well. So one of the things we're really big on here at Grace Story uh, Ministries is that emphasis on the story. Um, I know in our episodes so far, we've had a lot of experts just giving out knowledge. Uh, but one thing we don't want to lose is that story. Now, the last episode we had uh, Zach Clark on, he was talking about burnout. Um, and he talked about it in general, and he shared his story. Um, and then some of the resources he used for self-care. Um, but as, as we've been thinking about this uh, pandemic that's been going on, and we've heard a lot about healthcare heroes, um, we wanted to center in on kind of the healthcare aspect of, uh, of burnout. Now, on today, on this episode, we have Madeline Chesney. Uh, she spent most of her career in the emergency department at Level 1 Trauma Centers, uh, and she also just got back from a stint in New York City where she was serving COVID-19 patients um, to help with this pandemic that we're experiencing across the world. Um, one of the things she's also finishing up is her Doctorate of Nursing Practice from University of Louisville. She graduates in August, and one of her projects on that um, is a wellness program that we're going to talk about a little bit further down in in this episode. So, uh, Madeline, how you doing? Welcome to the program. Good. I'm glad to be here, Nate. So, with your experience in the emergency department, it's my understanding you you started your journey in nursing uh, kind of up on a floor for a few months, and then you came down to an emergency department setting and in an inner city level one trauma center. So, w- what was that like? It's not something that I can ever say that I regret. I definitely learned a lot from being in a level one trauma center in that way and being able to serve patients in a community um, that was underserved, essentially. So it it was a really it was a wonderful experience um, and a lot of things that I learned along the way, not only about healthcare but about myself. And about yourself. So let's dig a little bit deeper there. So what did you learn about yourself, uh, you know, essentially jumping into the deep end of the pool um, in the profession of nursing? I knew that I was a caring person. I knew that I had a a great ability to empathize with others. Um, But I also always kind of looked at myself as someone that was strong. And being in that environment, I I realized that there were many times where I felt weak. Um, Mm. And that was something that was new to me. Um, because also, I mean, throughout college, I was an athlete and it was very much this tough kind of mentality that you were expected to have and to just, you know, push through things. And then going into healthcare, we're expected to have those same mindsets as to just kind of push along. Um, but there, you'll have moments where you just realize, um, wow, I'm really lacking confidence here. Um, I feel confused. I feel lost. And then kind of just learning how to deal with those things and accepting those things um, and allowing yourself to become stronger from them in that environment is kind of what got me through. 
So was that was that enough for you? Uh, were you able to do that kind of on your own, or uh, what 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 made you move forward in nursing successfully? Uh, it definitely was not something I was able to do on my, my own. I realized at some point that I needed to ask for help, and that came from a variety of resources, whether it came from my coworkers, um, the leadership staff within the hospital, or outside resources as well. Um, I highly, highly recommend you know seeking counseling if that's what you feel like you need. Um, just having an unbiased person to speak with really helped me get through some of those tough moments. So one of the buzzwords when it comes to really any profession, but you know, especially nursing, is that uh, the word resilience. Um, and it sounds like you're kind of talking about that a little bit. Um, you know, kind of your own resilience. And then fostering that own resilience. Um, so maybe can you tell us what resilience is for you? Uh, what does that mean to you? So actually just through my, you know, finishing up my DMP education, I've done a lot of research on resiliency and there is becoming, you know, more and more research. And essentially what um, the consensus is, is that it's the capacity to recover from certain difficulties quickly. Um, there's disagreement whether that means, you know, developing re resiliency in early childhood, if that's something that you're, you know, taught with and is an inherent thing that you have by the time that you reach adulthood, or if it's something that continually um, grows, you know, throughout your life. From my perspective, um, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I think what happened in your childhood definitely contributes to who you are as an adult, but then your ability to kind of um, learn from daily challenges also adds to your resiliency in and out of the workplace. So you talked a little bit about your, your DNP and, and I want to, I want to jump into your project that you did um, on the wellness program. But before we do that, I want to kind of paint a picture of what what you're experiencing as a nurse with mere months of experience. Um, I know you, you probably did your capstone and you did all your clinical hours for nursing before that. So you have some experience, but as far as the responsibility being on you for the wellness of patients and having to deal with the decisions you make as a professional, um, that's, that's a little bit more than being in clinical. So you come down to the emergency department and let me ask you this. Um, have you ever been a victim of violence as a nurse? Yes. Okay. So let's, let's dig deeper. Have you ever been hit? Yes. Have you been kicked? Oh, yes. Have you been punched? Yes. Yelled at, cursed at? Yes. Spit on? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's all sorts of other things, including bodily fluids that we could go down as well. And I'm assuming you would probably say yes to that. Yes. So did you experience any of that in your first six months of nursing in the emergency department? Absolutely. So yep. I want to make sure the listeners and, and we probably have listeners who this is resonating with on a personal level where they have experienced that as well as a healthcare um, worker, whether that's in the emergency department and ICU uh, maybe even clinics these days or up on a floor, um, you know, the level of um, violence that they may experience, the level of emotional abuse that they may experience, and yet still needing to find that resilience factor. Uh, you're going through all that, and you're also trying to remain competent as a nurse and not make mistakes and learn. Um, mm -hmm. So how did you get to the point where you, you, you're doing your DNP, your doctor of nursing pra practice, project and you decide on this project, what made you pick a wellness program as your project? 
um, because I was struggling with it individually. I was struggling with it. And then, um, you know, even greater than that, I saw my coworkers, my friends struggling with it. I just realized that this was a very real um, and large issue within my specific population. And, and for that reason, it was important to me. Gotcha. And, and, it, and it does make sense because, I mean, turnover for nurses is anywhere between 15 and 40 percent at any given um, clinic or organization for emergency department nurses and level one trauma nurses up in the surgical ICU settings. It's it's higher up there towards the the 40 percent. I mean, that's that's ridiculous for for turnover um, on a yearly basis. So you're seeing your friends. Uh, they're discouraged, uh, maybe having some compassion fatigue. Um, you're seeing, uh, yourself kind of change a little bit. It sounds like, um, and you have the opportunity to institute a wellness program. What did that wellness program look like? Or how'd you get started? Did you know what it was going to look like when you started? I definitely did not know what it was going to look like when I started. Um, I just realized that it was something that, um, needed change within, you know, not only my emergency department, um, but emergency departments across the board. Um, and not even only emergency departments, just in healthcare in general. Um, it, and it took a lot of collaboration with other members of the healthcare team, you know, leadership members, the trauma program social worker within my hospital, speaking with um, research directors and um, even one of the founders of the Journal of Wellness within my emergency department and just kind of getting their input and then um, an extensive literature review that just showed me what was out there and what um, previous research had, you know, learned and what their recommendations were um, that kind of helped to grow things along the way. And um, yeah, it just became this thing that I'm very proud of, um, but I had no idea what I was doing in the beginning. So you do this huge literature research and, and you're talking about what's out there. So what, what did you find that helped you kind of shape what your program was going to look like? What was working? So um, I learned about or I read about this indivisible um, self model. It's a theoretical model developed by Dr. Thomas Sweetie and Dr. Jane Myers. Um, and it essentially talks about wellness as being encompassed with several factors. Um, there's five primary you know, second order factors. And within those second order factors, there are 17 third order factors, all encompassing one total wellness. Um, so those five second order factors being creative self, coping self, social self, essential self, and physical self. Um, and then within those, those 17 other factors making up that total wellness. Um, and just kind of reading about that and how that contributes to a person's well-being and not just deciding, okay, if I change this one aspect of my life, then I'm going to be okay. No, it really takes um, giving appropriate attention to different aspects of your life and to totally encompass, you know, becoming more well, essentially. So that's actually something we're really big about here at Grace Story Ministries as well. It's not just one thing concentrating on your spiritual self. Maybe I should go to church more. Maybe I need to, uh, you know, read my Bible more. Maybe I need to journal more. It's it's also the physical aspect, um, a holistic thing. Um, so you know, getting out for that jog or or whatever it may be. It's not just the one thing. So I love that you're talking about that, but that had to be kind of intimidating to see that research, look at the literature of what's working and realize, oh boy, there's not just one thing to concentrate on here. There's multiple things. So how did you marry that into 
a program to specifically help you and your uh, your friends at the emergency department where you were? Um, it kind of made me realize that the program couldn't be so specific. It, it had to be this broad thing. And that's why, you know, we, we had five different wellness workshops and each workshop featured a different um, counselor within the area. And they just came and presented their background and what education materials they had. It wasn't just, okay, we're only going to focus on, you know, your physical self and that's all we're going to talk about for these next five workshops. Um, it was definitely a conversation within each workshop and allowed for, you know, everyone to contribute to that and to share their experiences. And then we all learn from each other. Um, and I think that's kind of what's important about wellness is that it's it can't just be this one specific focus. You have to allow yourself to um, provide adequate focus to each different aspect of your wellness. Um, and while you can say, you know, if I improve my physical self, you know, that'll have an effect on my social self. Like these things do interact with each other, but that's not to say, okay, we can only focus on this one area of my well-being. So I want to backtrack just a little bit and we'll come back to that. But you mentioned something there, kind of your, your emotional well-being, your, your social well-being. Uh, were you seeing differences in yourself um, in maybe those arenas uh, based on the, the pressure, the stress, um, the physical abuse at your, at your job as a nurse? Oh, absolutely. Um, it definitely led to a lack of confidence in myself and that you know then flushed over into effects with my um, social ties and my familial ties and you know just being at work and not feeling capable of taking care of people um, that was definitely a struggle and I, I mean when I think about early very early on in my nursing career one of the biggest things that I struggled with was I had night terrors I'd wake up in the night and I would imagine that I I believe that I was surrounded by patients and that that I wasn't providing them care. And it was a, a, like a lucid state that I was experiencing. And I could tell myself, okay, you're at home, you're safe. Your patients are safe. But I would slip back and forth into that, you know, 2 a.m. And I would wake up and just freaked. Um, and that really took a toll on my emotional well-being for sure. And you're not you're not the first person to to tell me that. I mean, um, I mean, I myself, I'm a registered nurse, and I've experienced those things as well. Coming through, um, you know, the traumatic situations you experience as a nurse, um, death is just a part of the job. You don't normally get that in a profession where it's just like, yeah, they died. Um, let's move on to the next patient. Let's move on to the next program um, and head to the next room. So, what other specific challenges to nursing? do you think work against the nurse to kind of burn them out? You know, beside the abuse that you feel um, or that you receive from patients, unfortunately, I think that the healthcare profession um, sometimes struggles working as a team, you know, and that is people underestimate the value of that. And it's really very special when you find a department that's able to do that really well because support from your coworkers and um, and not just support, you know, completing tasks, but uh, emotional support, you know, um, really goes a long way. That makes a lot of sense because the, the experiences I have with teamwork are all centered around, even the research around teamwork is all centered around 
getting the job done. And there's no doubt that healthcare workers up and down from environmental services to, you know, the doctor, to the nurse, to, to whomever, they're really good at powering through under short staffing uh, that happens at times or lack of resources or, or whatever it may be um, and getting the job done. But you're right, that teamwork aspect, it, it doesn't centralize on a lot of times what, what's going on in each individual mind, in each individual heart. Um, and each individual person as a whole. Um, I mean, cause some people, they're also working multiple jobs too. So it's not just one, one organization. So we're talking about, you know, your experience there. And one of the things we hear about, and I've kind of already mentioned is the compassion fatigue. Um, what was your experience with that? And maybe can you kind of tell us what that is? Mm-hmm. Um, compassion fatigue uh, essentially just describes someone who, you know, you're used to seeing horrible things every day and, um, you just get used to it. That's kind of what happened. The horrible things don't seem so horrible anymore. And when you're talking about horrible things, um, I won't make, make you mention yours, but in my experience, uh, everything from, um, you know, uh, bullet holes to um, opening someone up in an emergency situation to squeeze their heart, to get it going again, limbs in coolers. Um, uh, and it also goes off of not just the macabre physical aspects, but you know, those emotional things where we deal with human trafficking victims, victims of domestic violence. Um, every now and then a child will end up in your emergency department. Um, so that can make sense. Did you experience compassion fatigue yourself? And what did that look like in your experience? Yes. Um, and it was something we didn't learn about in school, you know, <laughs> and it's, it, it's, <laughs> and you're not prepared for it because it's not talked about enough while you're in school. And it's not even talked about enough once you're working. So it kind of, it's, if you don't know about it, it sneaks up on you and it's, it's something that I didn't expect to experience just from, I, I just didn't know that it was something that was out there because like I said, early in our conversation, I know myself to have a great capacity for empathy. Um, so when I started to lose some of that empathy, it freaked me out. Um, I was becoming a different person and I could, I could see it happening and I, yeah, it freaked me out. <laughs> I think it's hard for people to kind of understand that if they haven't been through um, an instance, and it happens in, in more professions than just nursing, but you're right. It sneaks up on you. I had one nurse, uh, when I was, um, teaching at university of Louisville hospital, they came up to me and confided, Hey, I just, I just don't care about my patients anymore. And this was a very compassionate nurse and she was a very professional nurse and she was a very good nurse. And I think even as she was saying that her patients would not necessarily know that they would still feel cared for and feel heard mm -hmm. and feel advocated for. But she knew that in her heart after X amount of years of nursing and just seeing all the things and experiencing all the abuse and getting drained of caring, um, mm -hmm. she's like, Hey, I, I think I need to go do something else for a while. Um, and that takes a, a certain amount of emotional intelligence, I think to actually view and recognizing mm -hmm. yourself, but to actually come out and say it, um, obviously in private, but like, Hey, I, I just don't care anymore. It's just a job. It's just, I need to move them through. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's the setting you're in and you've gone through a literature review, um, an extensive literature review. You find out what works. Um, 
And one of the things um, that you had was puppies and bunnies in -hmm. yours. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why you brought in animals on that? Well, there's tons of research out there on animal therapy. And that was actually something that I really wanted to focus on while I was um, kind of thinking about projects for my uh, DNP was animal therapy. Um, it just wasn't something that was going to be feasible within the time frame that I had. Um, so I, I have a couple of rabbits at home. They make me very happy <laughs> and I just incorporated it into my wellness program. Um, I brought them to every workshop and it, it helped to make people smile. You know, it was just not to get too much into it, but, um, you know, I just think that animals are just, they're there to give and receive love. And that's, that's life, you know, that's what life should be about. Um, so to have something just that pure and to be able to incorporate it into something where we're talking about pretty horrible things, um, and how they affect us was, I thought to be one of the most beneficial things for the participants in that program. So what other resources, um, did you lean on? so you have speakers, you have, you know, adorable, cute animals coming in. Um, you have community, um, people are, are kind of sharing their stories as they want to, or at least talking in some degree of their story or, you know, raising their hand. Hey, yeah, that's me too. What other resources, uh, do you lean on personally and did the program lean on for, for building, fostering and, and showing people that they are resilient? You know, beside myself individually building this program with my key stakeholders, it took convincing the department, the staff that this was important. That was huge. So speaking at staff meetings, speaking at shift huddles, going to charge nurse meetings, talking about this program, it took convincing everyone else that this was a problem and something that deserved recognition. And it wasn't just about, and not to sound crass, but this wasn't about the patients for once. Um, This was about us and about you and me and we, (laughs) you know, this was about how can we help each other um, and be a better community? So, because I think as we spend a lot of time caring about others because that's who we are. We got into this profession to care for others. But then I think that adds to compassion fatigue, you know, um, where we're just spending every day thinking about the well being of other people. We kind of lose ourselves in that. Where do we fall on that spectrum? Um, and I, like you said, I think at some point you have to have some some sort of level of emotional intelligence to kind of realize, Hey, my well-being is important too. Um, I need to do something to help myself. And I, it took a lot of convincing individual staff members, Hey, you're important, (laughs) you know, have confidence that you're important, that you deserve respect. And I have a way that we can work towards that. It's not going to be, and, you know, solve everything sort of deal. You go to this one workshop and everything's better, but you know, give yourself and your well-being the the time it deserves to heal um, by starting with this. That that makes a lot of sense, and and I understand that on a personal level. Um, they say that uh, doctors and nurses make the worst patients, um, mm-hmm. just because we we. And I don't think it's because we think we know it all. I think it's because we don't. We aren't used to getting help. We aren't used to being helped. Um, mm-hmm. We can do it all ourselves. And, and the people I know in healthcare are generally people who are good at compartmentalizing. So I'm going to go in here. I'm going to work on this code. They died. Yes, they died. Okay. Now I can go back out and I can, 
that patient really wants a glass of water and wonders where I've been for the last 45 minutes to an hour. And I can't tell them because in 1996, HIPAA passed and the government says that I can't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So instead, I just have to give customer service. So we just start, you know, we all have that box that we just keep on putting things in. I'm going to deal with it later, maybe after this 12 hour shift. Oh, wait, now I got to sleep. Now I got to care for my family. Now I got to take the dog for a walk. And you just never get around to it. But it sounds like you were even having trouble convincing people that helping themselves was important for them. That's that's so interesting. And it doesn't seem like you should have to convince people because we're supposed to be selfish. Um, mm-hmm. Convincing them to just take time for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there are people that, that that don't take time for themselves, but it looks like a lot of work or maybe... Maybe it's the the fear of actually dealing with something like that. You might you might feel something. Oh, I like you said, I think that unfortunately within, you know, the vast majority of healthcare workers, what it really comes down to is sometimes we forget to care about ourselves and we don't care about ourselves because what are your problems in comparison to the patient in front of you who, you know, just lost a leg? or is paralyzed for the rest of their life, or, you know, the mother who just lost a son, you do, you spend so much time comparing and belittling yourself. Um, it, it will lead to forgetting, you know, that you matter also yeah, and that a, you deserve care as well. That's a really, really good point. Cause I've been guilty of that. Um, trying to say it in a positive way. I've come home from work before or come off of a shift and I'll tell my wife, Jenny, I'll say, you know, the, my job never fails to remind me how good I have it. Um, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Constantly putting things in perspective, like, Hey, I want to spend more time with my family because I had a 30 year old or a 40 year old die at work today. Um, and there was no reason why they should have died, but they just did. Um, but you offer a great perspective that you can flip that where you're just constantly like, you know what? I ain't got a bad night terrors. At least I'm not dead. Um, Deal with it whatever it is, just deal with it. Cause it's not that. Yeah. It's just, I can, I can make it through. And also I don't want to burn down others. So maybe I don't need to share this cause I don't want them to experience that. So what advice would you give to healthcare providers to prevent, you know, that compassion fatigue? Cause not everybody has a program like mm-hmm. yours and not everybody has the gumption to start their own wellness program, um, at a level one trauma, uh, center. Um, so what advice would you give to individuals that may not have that resource of a wellness program, uh, but still they sense kind of what you're talking about, the compassion fatigue, uh, yeah. the compartmentalization, some of those things. Unfortunately, I'm still learning as well. Just personally, um, I'm not sure that I'm not convinced that compassion fatigue is something that can be prevented. I think it's something that you can only recognize and then, um, kind of self-analyze having that emotional intelligence and you know um it is a form of coping it's how people cope with their environments um i think it takes looking into wellness and learning about that not just um believing that you know everything that's out there or believing that you know you're okay but you're you know waking up in the middle of the night with night terrors and just trying to push through you have to um, accept that, you know, maybe there are some lifestyle modifications that you can make just to help yourself. And, um, you know, if you really are somebody that cares 
more about their patients than yourself, which like we've talked about, the majority of healthcare workers really do. Um, recognizing that once you help yourself, you'll then be able to better serve your patients. Because um, once you get past that compassion fatigue and you can really start to, again, empathize with your patients and kind of see where they're coming from, um, you'll be able to better serve them and take care of them in those settings and in those really frightening, frightful moments. So we're nearing the end of our time. And thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to, to talk with us. Uh, but if there's one thing that you could tell our listeners, just one thing about what we've talked about today, uh, something you want them to just take away and really remember, um, what, what would that be? Mm-hmm. Know that you're important um, and that your well-being is important um, and spend some time looking into what wellness is and defining what wellness means for you. Good. Thank you so much. Um, thank you so much again for taking the time and, and being on the episode today. Yep. Thank you, Nate. And everybody, we want to thank you for joining us as well. Uh, we know you have busy schedules. We want you to keep on coming back in two more weeks. We're going to have Amanda Corzine on, and she's going to be talking to us about domestic violence, its prevalence. She's also going to be giving us some strategies to help others that may find themselves in these situations and also some tips to stay safe when you're in those situations. So come on back and we'll see you in two weeks.